Welcome back to another episode of Into the Airbnb, where we talk with Airbnb hosts about their short-term rental experience. Today's guest is Amy Parsonski, an Airbnb host from St. Petersburg, Florida. Originally, she started on Airbnb in 2014 in San Diego, California, and recently moved down to Florida and continues with her journey in the short-term rental world, doing better than ever. Reaching up to $8,900 in the high season as revenue and expecting to cover her investment completely in two to three years' time. Come and join us and listen to the full episode to hear more about Amy's journey. This episode is sponsored by Airbnb's short-term rental analytics for high-return investments, comprehensive data for insights, ideas, and inspiration. Go to app.airbnb.com to find precise Airbnb data such as occupancy rate, revenue, average daily rate, and so on. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, can you tell me how did you get started on Airbnb? Yes. So, I was on a girls trip with one of my friends who lived in Portland and I was living in San Diego at the time, house hacking with my husband, what they call a two-on-one. It's essentially a duplex, but there's, you know, house in front and house in back. And we, had ju- we were just getting ready to finish up our yearly lease with the tenants that we had in the back house. And I was talking to my girlfriend and she was saying, oh yeah, well, we do this Airbnb thing. And it was still fairly new, you know? Our next door neighbor was a hoarder. So I was like, I don't know if this is even gonna work. Like who's gonna wanna stay next to a hoarder? And we were in the city of San Diego too. We weren't necessarily by the beach or anything like that. We were in a cool neighborhood, but I was like, I don't even know if people know where our neighborhood is, you know? She's like, oh no, you should give it a shot. So I moved <laughs> half of our furniture from my my house with my husband over to that that house after the tenants moved out. And we listed it on Airbnb and the rest is history. Basically learning on the job, but started booking really well. And everything went well from there. And continued on and we took a few years off over the years of hosting and whatnot but yeah that was that was the start 2014 2014 so what month was that oh I want to say it was March I believe March 2014 okay mm-hmm. and how did you dealt with the hoarder neighborhood that you that you had we don't own that part particular property anymore but at the time there was a six foot high like chain link fence between the properties. So I got one of those, you know, faux ivy walls that you can put up, you know, so I like hung the faux ivy. So at least, you know, as people pull up and they see his property, at the, their experience once they're on ours is like, oh, this is all, because it was such a cute house. It was very remodeled. So I just tried to make our little piece as cute and as, you know, appealing as possible for them. And I mean, for the most part, not a lot of people complained or had issues with it. When they did, I explained like, listen, it's not a flop house or a drug house. It's just an older man who's not managing his situation well. He's totally harmless. 
you know, I've, I live here too, you know, that sort of thing, like try to mitigate the damage, but it was definitely a unique situation to be hosting uh, next to. <laughs> yeah, I understand that some people might have a little bit of problem with that, but it's good that you, that you were renting an Airbnb, both mm -hmm. sides of that two one that you told me about. So I, we ended up moving out of the front house because we were living in the front house and renting out the back house. And then we bought another, we bought a triplex and moved into it with the intentions of remodeling it and then Airbnb it out, which we did. So yeah, we, we started Airbnb the front out and I learned my first lesson about like what really books well in that market. So our two bedroom, one bath, I thought would just be an instant hit and that, you know, it'd be, it would be as well booked as the front house, as the, as the back one, one. But what I found out is, you know, it's not really, you don't take your income times two essentially, right? <laughs> you know, you're not doubling your income, unfortunately. So it was good and it booked well, but it was like, man, that one, one in that particular market booked great. And then when we, we moved to the triplex, we lived in a one, we lived in this back, there was two, two ones and then a studio. And man, we lived in one of the, you know, the, one of the two ones, but I'll tell you what, that studio booked like crazy. Cause you could book it. You could, I could keep it fairly affordable for, for renters and it went absolutely nuts. So that was definitely my first foray into, Oh, I thought I would just like it, that the two ones would be just as popular as the one ones, but they weren't necessarily. <laughs> Oh, I see. I see. And were they like near each other in the same city, in the same neighborhood, same area? Probably they were only about five to 10 minutes apart, but in a similar, like similar vibe of a neighborhood. So different, technically a different neighborhood, but one was a little bit more established as a hipster neighborhood. And the other one was a little bit more up and coming a little bit more, this is where a lot of the locals live versus like this hipster vibe that our previous neighborhood was was really known for. Still bo both very walkable, but both very city neighborhoods. So you have, you know, quote unquote city issues, like, you know, so every once in a while, you know, people are going to see homeless people or, you know, there's going to be, you know, some dude stumbling out of a bar drunk or something like that. So it's like, That was always the the interesting moment is trying to explain and set up the expectation that like, hey, you're in a city. You're not at a resort. You're not in an environment where I can control everything. You are literally in a city and there's going to be like, you know, city issues <laughs> or city features, I guess, however you look at it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand about that. And are you receiving many complaints about all of this? That's why you are not, not many, I wouldn't say, but it was definitely something that I think I wanted to, I mean, I think I always set it up. Like I had to put it in the description because I did have some, a few complaints before I explicitly, I mean, you would think that people look on a map when they book an Airbnb and it's like, oh, well, you're not by the beach. No kidding. No, where does it say that? And if you looked at the map, you would know that we're not like super close to the beach. So I would just make sure on there. It's like, Hey, listen, we're in the middle of the city. It's, you know, a mixed bag of everything, which is what cities are. So I just had to set the expectation up front, I think, was really the key there. I'm like, hey, if you like walkability and you want to go to all the cool restaurants and be around a ton of cool bars and go get coffee and see art, you know, do the, the art walks and stuff like that, then this is the neighborhood for you. It was really just about explaining who the target audience was. 
Mm -hmm. And can I ask what was the target audience that you are getting in top one listing? Yeah, so a lot of young couples, definitely not people necessarily with young kids who who weren't used to that sort of environment. So like definitely young couples who wanted to do something off the beaten path or like a little bit more hipster, like, oh, come see how San Diego, most San Diegans actually live. You know, like you want to go to the cool, to the cool bars and to the cool restaurants. We had a lot of people coming down from LA for the weekend as well, who would just book a weekend just to get out of LA and change it up or whatever. So they're, you know, they're, they're super on board with what like California has to offer. <laughs> so a lot of those sort of like young traveling professional, that was our that was our thing. And all of our units had laundry in them. So we actually would get a lot more longer term stays as well. Oh, and I guess that's, that's the reason why you are getting more people booking the studio, right? Yeah, that one was people, especially like when you're booking a weekend, you get a lot of that too. But yeah, a lot of people who it's like, okay, well, this is, or maybe they're coming to town because I've had a bunch of different stuff or, you know, oh, my daughter's giving birth. And I want to be there for an extended stay for three weeks. And that's an affordable place for you to do it. Oh, she lives, you know, two blocks down or something like that. Or, hey, I'm, I'm coming to town with my husband to check out places because we want to move there, but I don't want to commit to an apartment before we, you know, you know, actually stay in the city for a while. So a lot of that type of thing. So it, which, you know, obviously worked in our favor and all of our places are, are drug friendly. So that was the other thing I think that that was a really a good hook, you know. Oh, so all of your listings are pet friendly. Yes. You know, always ask, for, be like, hey, run it by me first, because I think that that's important because you don't want someone showing up with like 20, 20 very hairy dogs or like a husky or something where, you know, <laughs> like even if they, did, you know, we have, a, we have a little bit of a limit and it's usually like, okay, what kind of dog is it? How many dogs are, is it? And just make sure that they clean up after their pet. But I find it's good to warn your cleaners ahead of time if someone's going to be bringing a dog or something like that just so they can make sure that they're on it and they're there as soon as checkout happens and then I, I charge a pesky and just give it to the cleaners and can you tell me a little bit about your experience as someone who accepts pets into their listings do you do that as now as well with your current listings absolutely That was actually really important to me because we're dog people too. And it's so nice to have somewhere you can go with, with your animals. So mostly it's been amazing. Every once in a while, someone abuses it. You get just like a ton of hair or like they don't actually watch, watch their dog and the dog pees on the floor or something like that. But for the most part, it's been really good. I buy tough fabrics, all my rug. I don't buy a ton of rugs with the rugs I do have are washable and or like outdoor rugs. So they're thin and they're easy to vacuum. I live in Florida now and a lot of the floor is either, you know, the vinyl that is waterproof and or it's tile. So it's really, I mean, it's, yeah, you don't want someone's dog peeing on your floor, but even if there is an accident or they didn't clean up or whatever, it's very easy to clean once they leave. Okay. So you didn't have any, any really bad experiences with that so far? No, it's been with people mostly like, <laughs> people, you know, <laughs> we've definitely had like our messier guests and it's yeah. like, okay, well, if they're messy, then their pets are, they're not, they're going to be messy with their pet is kind of the thing. It's like, you know, if you're the type of people who, you know, leave, you know, even if with people with kids, sometimes they leave 
crumbs or cookies like smashed into the carpet or like things shoved into the couch and you're like how did this even happen it's like so if, if, if you're like that type of person who doesn't clean up after yourself that much then that's how they're going to be with their pets too you know what I mean so it's mm-hmm. it's a mixed bag like like everything and how did you manage to keep your guests who bring their pets in to be like so I want to say so clean, but clean and respectful with your with your listing. So you said you didn't have many, many bad experience with that. And mostly when you heard about Airbnb hosts complaining about it is because, I don't know, maybe the dog dropped the sofa, the dog beat everywhere, the owner didn't take care of the pool, whatever. How did you yeah. manage it? And how did you get to, for the, for the owners, to be so careful with their pets inside your listing? For sure. For sure. So when they, in the listing, I say, you know, contact me for approval. Like, I'm not just going to, you know, check mark your dog allowed to come. So I just make sure I'm like, hey, you know, we don't have a ton of rules with the dogs, but make sure that you, A, clean up after your pet or otherwise I'm charging you a fee. B, keep the animals off the sofa. Like they never do, but it's like something to be like, okay, if I find excessive hair, that's going to be an extra cleaning fee. Hey, we're, we're happy to have your pet. You know, I, I usually pay it in a nice light. When people are on vacation, I feel like they don't want to be just excessively micromanaged, but mostly I paint it in the light, like, Hey, we're happy to have your pet, but please do us the favor of, you know, picking up their, their poop in the yard and, you know, making sure that there's not a ton of hair laying around for the cleaners. And we just, you know, we want to keep having pets. We don't want our cleaners to quit. <laughs> I frame it like that. And they're usually like, oh, okay, yeah, no worries. You know, and it's usually fine. All right. So now that you mentioned that, do you charge a, a pet fee? Yes, I charge a small pet fee and I give it to the cleaners just to keep incentivizing them to not be mad at me when I, that I have, that I let pets go, you know, it's come to the house. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it's, you know, it's a little bit extra vacuuming with the hair And, you know, they really go nuts on the couch. They have to like really clean the couch and stuff like that. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a pet friendly listing. So I feel like the next guest should, like, it's never going to be like no pet ever stayed there basically. But yeah, it's to me, it's, it's about treating my people right. And like, if I, if I take care of my cleaners and say, Hey, I, you know, not only are they already paid well, but if you have here, here have this extra hundred dollars for the inconvenience of having to like do some more vacuuming, you know? So that, that has worked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. And what about the longer stay? You told me that you accept some longer stays. When it comes to mm-hmm. that, do you also accept guests who bring their dogs in those longer stays or it's just for short-term guests? Oh yeah, for both. Actually, so I um, the first Airbnb that we opened in Florida from this iteration, like now that I've, we moved back about two years ago and we just recently opened last year, Airbnb here. And, you know, we have these guests that people call snowbirds. They come down from the North to get out of the winter in the winter. So this lady brought her dog and she stayed for three months. He's awesome. She took great care of the place, treated it like it was her own. And now she's coming back again. She's she already booked for next year. <laughs> so she's coming back again. So we absolutely take guests with long term. And, and you know, honestly, that's that's really I think where you get a lot of a lot of guests from. At least it's been my experience. There's probably just as many allergic people out there that don't want to have a pet friendly house or whatever. But we do have a lot of people who travel with their pet. And we've actually gotten a fair few guests from Georgia, you know, sort of like regional to Florida 
guests who drive down and they bring and they bring their pets with them. But yeah, it's been great. She's just a little, it was like a little terrier type of dog, you know, not a lot of hair, super sweet, very well mannered, you know, that sort of thing. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand. So that's very nice. And mm -hmm. can you tell me how do you screen your guests? So you'd get like the best quality possible out there? Absolutely. So I lay out all of our rules in just immediately in, in the description of the listing. I said, so part of it is just how I, I think, describe my listing. I describe my, my neighborhood as a family-friendly residential neighborhood that, you know, no parties are allowed. I do a minimum of four days for the bookings. I think that that cuts down on a lot of it as well. And my house rules are absolutely no parties you know, quiet time after, I, you know, I, I have them agree to the rules too. I don't do, I only do instant booking for people who have good reviews and who are recommended by other hosts for people who are new, you know, and then I, I also ask them to, to tell me why they're coming down. If it's just something simple like boys trip. <laughs> I usually ask them to elaborate on that. Like, Hey, yeah, that's great. Like, can you tell me a bit more? Usually I feel good about people who are like, oh, I'm traveling with my adult children or, oh, it's just me, my, my husband and, and our kids or something like that. Like those, I just feel like you can almost rubber stamp those guests. They're just coming for, you know, like a normal trip. Right. And they're not going to make the neighbors crazy. But if it's like, oh, girl's trip, oh, boy's trip or something to that effect coming for a wedding, I definitely dig in for more information. And even though I do have, you know, I have the cameras and I have the outside only of course but I have the auto lock the electronic deadbolt so they can basically self-service however if I just sometimes you just get a gut, a gut feel and I let them know like hey I'll be happy to to meet you to show you through the through the place I'm just around the corner I'll, I'll help I'll, I'll walk you through the first time even if I don't <laughs> I feel like just the the suggestion that I will be there I will be monitoring the house really cuts down on a lot of that nonsense Oh, I see. So that's a pretty good strategy, actually. Mm -hmm. So you, you just do this thing where you tell them that you're going to show them their house when you get this gut feeling that they're not going to be <laughs> up to no good there? Yes. And that usually, oh. like, it, you'd be surprised how many people are like, if they're just immediately like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. No problem. You kind of know that it's not going to be an issue. But if someone's like, kind of like, well... I don't know what time we're getting in. You just kind of get this sort of, I don't know. It's like after doing it for a few years, you kind of just get that vibe. It definitely helps. Like I said, when I was house hacking, just me, I'm like, I live here. So guess what? <laughs> You're not going to be getting away with anything. But when you have these properties where I don't necessarily live next door anymore, uh, yeah, I definitely trust my gut a little bit, of, especially when mm -hmm. it's, you know, boys trip, girls trip stuff. Yeah, that's right. You have to be real careful with those type of things. And mm -hmm. now that you mentioned the distance, do you live like near your your listings, like your the current listings you have right now? No, about 15 to 20 minutes though. So it's not terrible, but I'm not like right around the corner. So it's not as easy as it once was for me to get to my listings. Mm -hmm. But you still handle everything that when it comes to your listing, right? Less like not cleaning, but all the other things, like if they need something. Yeah, I definitely manage myself. If there was someone I felt good about handling that over to, then I might consider it. But I just feel like things get missed when you're not doing it yourself. And it, no one cares about, it's like, you know, the old adage, no one cares about your business as much as you care about your business. You know, no one's going to work harder for you than you are. 
So especially with only two, it's like, I, I want to really have that personal touch. And I think that that's what sets you apart too, a lot of times. It's great to systematize things, but there's something to be said for self-managing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, sometimes self-manage is the best you can do. You're not that far to your places, so it's all right, it's reasonable. And thank you for talking to us about like your guest experience and everything. Now, I would like to know about the current listings that you own. You told me you're located currently in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. How many listings Correct. do you own down there? So we have two currently, both brought online. Well, no, the one was technically brought online at the end of 2021. The other one, just start, we just got it live early May of 2022. We're in unincorporated Pinellas County in Largo, Florida, where, so it's like right outside of Tampa. I'm sure you've heard of Clearwater Beach. We're like in that Gulf Coast region in that sort of general like Tampa Bay area. Mm-hmm. And when did you acquire this listing? So before this, you were doing Airbnb in San Diego, am I right? Correct. Yes. Uh-huh. And um, how did you end up there? Yeah. So we ended up moving. We were, I think through, right before the pandemic, I think I was getting to the point with San Diego where it's so expensive, it's crowded. And I felt like just like doing anything, like even the simple things like going to the beach or whatever, it was getting to be difficult it wasn't as fun as it it had been so it's like man you know we could have the same thing lifestyle that we have here but we could move back to Florida for half you know and pay half essentially maybe we should think about doing that and you know we decided we chose St. Petersburg Florida and we love it here so we moved back right before the pandemic and so we had nothing we had sold everything and then moved back to St. Pete Florida and Then we're like sitting out. I sat out the most of the pandemic, you know? So I was like, yeah, we'll see how things go. It'd be kind of cool to just wait, which, you know, of course is always a terrible, you know, not looking back, it's, it's a terrible, it was a terrible idea because prices like went crazy. We started the one in the first one in, like I said, November, December, 2021. And it's been going really well. Really like the locations. They're both at, they're at most five miles to the beach. The other one's like, literally five minutes to the beach but they're in both in like nice residential neighborhoods mm-hmm. and can you tell me like a comparison about the experience of getting a property for short-term rental there is it easier to do it in San Diego or is it easier to do it in St. Petersburg, Florida so as of the time that we did it in San Diego I felt like because there was no regulations in San Diego they had hadn't really established any sort of rules other than, hey, just register with like the, ta like, so you can pay your taxes. It was like an online form and it took two seconds. So that was super easy. You could do it anywhere. Right. And where we're at in my personal neighborhood and like most of the city of St. Petersburg, they actually have restrictions on short-term rentals that you can't do anything under 30 days. So there's these little pockets where you can do short-term rentals. So navigating that, I thought I felt like was a little bit more difficult, like knowing where you can rent. And that was the other thing that kept me out of the, the game for a while. So like, I just, I don't want to do anything where, and they're sure you can look on Airbnb and find rentals in St. Petersburg, but I just don't, I never wanted to get in a position where my numbers depended upon them not catching me. <laughs> 
it's interesting because even in some of the really hot vacation markets like Clearwater Beach, there's only a small pocket where you can short-term rental and or I think that there's a few like condo buildings where you can short-term rental. But even in a lot of our beach areas, it's not legal under a certain amount of days. So it was interesting to navigate that process. Although conversely, what that makes me feel good about is now I feel bad for San Diego hosts, but they're severely limiting the short-term rental stock in San Diego. They finally passed legislation and that's all going away. So I feel like at least with the regulations that are in place now in where I live, it's like, okay, well, they have rules. And as long as I play within those rules, it's established and it's not going away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I completely understand now. So for now, it's a little bit easier to do it in Florida because in San Diego, they have like the heavier rules, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot, probably a lot of units coming on the market here shortly and or probably just people going back to long-term renting or something, you know? And in these little areas that you told me about Florida where you can do short-term rental, are they getting saturated or are them like markets with maybe... 100, 200, 300 listings? They're getting pretty saturated because I think a lot of people found out about those markets that were allowed to do it. So you definitely see a lot more listings popping up, a lot of more people looking to invest their money. And, you know, short-term rentals became pretty popular. I feel like, you know, I've been doing it since 2014, but I feel like just in the past couple of years, more and more people are talking about Airbnb and short-term rentaling. Like it's something, (laughs) like it's brand new. But yeah, so I think a lot more people are jumping into the game. I mean, a theory that they won't be in the game that long. I mean, as much as we can systematize things, I do think it's still a lot of work. And it's, it's you're running a hospitality business. So maybe not everybody's cut out for, for that type of thing. I understand completely. Now, I'd like you to talk me about the difference when it comes to the house pricing in both markets. Now that sure. you've been there, right? So I'll let yeah. you know that, please. For sure. So San Diego is super expensive. And that's not to say that St. Pete is cheap. I think prices have gone up just astronomically in both places, really, since the pandemic, like right around that that, that time boom, prices have gone up. The difference, though, is that for most people, St. Petersburg would be or, you know, my, my areas would be definitely still considered affordable, maybe not to the locals, but maybe, but probably to a lot of like investor type of money people. For example, the triplex that I sold and we sold it, I want to say 2018, we fixed it up and sold it for 1.15. And it's now probably, she could probably, the lady who brought it from us could probably sell it for 1.5, probably to 1.7. So literally the only, the only way you can cash flow in a market like that is a short-term rental. You know, people talk about those places not being great for, for long-term rentals other than appreciation is amazing. So San Diego really works for house hacking, in my opinion. My places here, we bought in the fours, like the low fours, and they needed some work. Literally some of them were, you know, they were, they were stinky. <laughs> so we, we definitely got some some stinkers, but they were, they were like in the low fours. I've seen a lot like, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of property. We do pool houses here. Cause I felt like people would want coming to Florida. If you're not seeing it on the beach, you probably at least want a private pool was my thinking anyway. Yeah. And then you're close to the beach. So probably like low fours is a right, like a good pocket for you there. I'm sure you could get way cheaper if you want to do a condo 
and or like if you want to do a pool a house without a pool you can go less expensive but i mean while not not everyone can afford both price points i feel like uh, you know fours is obviously way lower than though and being in the ones you know i think the mm-hmm. san diego median house price right now is like in the 800s which is crazy so it went a little bit up from when you actually bought your things there in oh yeah yeah the prices went up although i did buy during the boom too so we definitely have appreciated i I do believe that we're we could probably get closer to five for our properties now some of that's forced appreciation as well but yeah the tampa bay area exploded through the pandemic and like out of 2020 up my personal house has appreciated quite a bit as well they're definitely up i think I mean, nationwide housing seems like it's it's gone up considerably, but it's yeah. still, I think, a little bit more reachable for the average person. I mean, I don't know too many people who could afford $900,000 for a house, you know? Yeah, I understand completely about that. And when did you buy these listings in Florida? I think you told me before, but I cannot remember. Yeah, so the first one I bought in like late 2021, And the second one we bought in March of 2022. And when did you start making Airbnb with those two? So we started late 2021 with the, with the other one. Like I got like just right before the, the new year, we welcomed our first guest for the, the one we bought in 2021. And then we started welcoming guests. So actually what I did was I listed the one we bought in, in March of 2022. We, did, we had to do some fixing up to it. And then we put it on the market in May of 2022 and May is kind of dead I feel like in most markets because people have done their spring break travel or done their you know their spring travel but you know and now in May they're especially people with kids and that's usually like our market right or or, you know they're finishing up school and kind of tying the bow on on the end of the year and they're getting ready for their summer vacations or you know they're, they're planning on doing a summer vacation so for us It was dead. And what I did was I put it out on, <laughs> I put it out on Zillow to see if anyone wanted to do like a furnished rental for a month. And sure enough, I got a lovely couple who's local, who was just remodeling their house. So they stayed for six weeks. And after they left, we welcomed our, we welcomed our, I was able to fill up our calendar <laughs> while we were going through this like dead zone. Mm-hmm. And I filled up our calendar for the summer and it, it worked out very nicely. Oh, so that's really nice. It's all about like searching for strategies where you can keep the pockets occupied. Meanwhile, the market is real low, right? Yeah, I love that segment of the market. I've also done a lot of travel nurse, like that midterm mm-hmm. rental, the one to three months. Awesome. They're awesome. So yeah, it's a really nice supplement your low seasons. Mm-hmm. I understand about that. And so far... So you told me you launched these around 2021 and May 2022, right? Did you understand? Yep. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So how far, how have they been performing on Airbnb? Like what would be the monthly revenue they make? Do they make a good rate when it comes to occupancy? Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, we've been doing very well. Probably... So I'm thinking like in the, in the lower month, you know, in the winter months and then, then in the, in the spring, if you averaged it all out, probably around like 6K a month. And then in the summer, it's been, it's been busier than I expected it to be. So like, I think this month in both houses will make eight to nine 
to eight to nine. It's been very busy this summer, which everyone kept saying like how dead it was, how dead it was. Maybe I'm just on the tail end of that because we've been fairly booked. We're looking at, I underwrite everything to 70% occupancy for myself when I'm looking at it. Does this deal make sense? But we've been looking at closer to like 85 to 90. And, and honestly, the, like these past two months, I think I've only had two days vacant both months. So it's been very busy this summer, which is weird because I think that traditionally the summer is Florida's dead season, you know, or lighter, lighter season, you know? So if you are already seeing some ROI in your current listings down there in Florida, can you Mm -hmm. tell me how much would be the, the current rate for that? Yeah. So I plate again, when I like estimate everything, So I don't like know exactly off the top of my head, but I usually think that our carrying costs are around $3,000 a month per property. That includes the mortgage and all, you know, everything, right? So that's about like 3K a month for the higher seasons. We've definitely have some capital expenditures. One of our ACs just went out. So that was not super fun to uh, get to replace in the middle of the summer, but Mm -hmm. yeah, they've been pretty solid little businesses. For me, it's one of those things that if I can get, you know, if we can clear a thousand dollars a month, I'd be totally happy compared. And then coupled with the appreciation to me, that's a, that's a home run. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. And how much time do you, do you plan to get back all the investment that you've been making in these, in these properties? Yeah. I don't really think of it as, I mean, I, I guess I don't really think about getting the money back because I feel like it's still in the investment, if that makes mm. sense. You no, know, at that rate, I guess it would be probably four years if I'm making $1,000 a month. Obviously, that's probably on the super, super low end. I would think two years to get yeah. to get back the money, but I anticipate that we will. I don't think that there's going to be a dip in prices per se, but maybe a flattening. And I see that, you know, we'll probably hit a recession here soon if we're not in a recession right now, but probably ride out this cycle and hit the next bump up and then maybe sell in 1031 into something else, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I understand. So that would be your future plan for now. Yeah, that's what I'm, I always keep an eye on the market. I'm getting my real estate license here shortly too. So I'll be able to at least do my own deal. I don't think this is a, a forever hold situation. I'd love to get some properties on the beach. That would be mm-hmm. like the dream scenario, but we'll see how they do. And you never know. Sometimes I zig and zag, honestly. I love short-term rentals, but then there's that moment where you're like, you know, it's nice just having steady income. <laughs> and then long-term rentals seem very sexy. And so I have a big <laughs> portfolio. So who knows what the next investment will be, but they're such a good cash flow yeah. vehicle. Love yeah, it. Yeah, I understand. And do you feel, now that you talked about long-term rentals again, do you feel more comfortable like doing short-term rentals or long-term rentals? Honestly, long-term rentals is so nice. Because, I mean, there's a lot less pressure for you to fix something the second a guest reports it, you know, like meeting expectations. Because, you know, conversely, the long-term rental, the person has come and toured the apartment. They know exactly what they're getting. They know what to expect. There's not a lot of expectations there. If something needs to be fixed, I will call a handyman and get someone out as soon as possible in both scenarios. But the expectation with the Airbnb guest is that it's fixed immediately. 
You know what I mean? Obviously, if it's, you know, something mm-hmm. that's dangerous, like if my AC's out in Florida in the summer, obviously, then that needs to be done immediately because that's a safety hazard. But, yeah. you know, just like the, the little, little things, I feel like they need attention constantly. So if I can make good cash flow with long-term rentals, that for sure, I feel more, more steady with that. Even in a, you know, even in a recession too, you know, people do start traveling less. So I always keep an eye on. Okay, so short-term rentals would be the most comfortable and alternate path to short-term rentals, right? Long-term rentals are the most comfortable, but definitely don't have the, the crazy cash flow that the uh, short-term rentals can. Yes, that's all right. That's all right. Now, I like to talk about your market. So you told me you're in St. Petersburg, Florida. Both of the yeah. listings are located there, right? Mm-hmm, correct. So we talked before, low season would be summer and high season would be winter, spring. Yes, winter, spring. But I think that the debt, the the low, low season is definitely those shoulder seasons where you're getting out of the spring and then where you're getting out of the summer, really. So I think Mm. that when people are going back to school, when they have their kids going back to school, that September, October is usually pretty dead. And I honestly saw that in San Diego too. It's just like people are traveling, you know, like families and whatever are traveling just a little bit less because they're like, and I think even adults who have, you know, kids who are maybe uh, like, even when you're traveling for work, people don't want to, they want to say, Hey, I want to go to my kid's first practice. And I want to drop them off for their first day of school. I think that you see a lot of that. And then at the end of the school year too, like that, that May, the end of April to May, you know, there's just not a ton of people traveling then. You get your random bookings here or there, but it's it's definitely a little bit lighter. But I think that we pick back up in that summer where it's it's not super booked, but it's fairly booked because families are traveling. Kids mm-hmm. are off school, even though it's hotter than Hades down here in the summer. But I think mm-hmm. that you see that you see a lot of people still traveling because it's their time, you know? Yeah, I understand. And during those lower seasons, what would be like the average how do you say this average occupancy rate that you get in your Oh instance? yeah. I think like 70% those months. You know, like you'll probably mm-hmm. get like a 18 days booked, which is great because it still pays the bills and you still walk away with a little bit of money. And then you but you also have those time to do those like little, you know, your little paint touch-ups and your little fixes that need to be done. And yeah, it's like right. seize that moment, right? Do inventory. Yes, that's that's a great tip, actually. So low season isn't necessarily bad. It also gives you like the time to keep up with the maintenance of the listing. That's right. That's right. Yes. Before you're just turning people over back to back to back to back. It's like, okay, test, yeah. you know, now's the moment to take a breath and, and get it ready for the next crazy burst, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the good part about the low season, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I'd like you to tell me lastly about how do you deal with pricing? Oh, pricing's difficult for sure. So I do have price labs on both. I have it set up for both. But as far as like, you know, you still have to set a minimum and a maximum or I don't set a maximum, but a minimum and a base. And I definitely look at a lot. I do a lot of research on my own. I, I you know, let, let them set a price and I look at their reports as well. And because price labs have some nice reports. But I do some actually, like, I get into the system myself. I say, okay, I'm going to go look at people who I know, you know, are in my actual geographic area. 
because you know once you're local or what you know once you know your area you can you can dig in a little bit and you know which areas people are in so you can compare apples to apples and I say okay well what is this you know what is this person's cal- calendar I have a lot of favorited listings so I say what does this person's calendar look like what are their what's their base price what is their price in high season like wh- you know and how many you can tell by how many years someone's been a host and then how many like reviews they have on a particular property, like how mm-hmm. booked they are, I think in general, you know, and just the vibe you say, Oh yeah, yeah. They have cool design too. I, you know, I think that this is like something I would want to target. That's how I, that's how I compare like usually generate a price, but it's, I I'm, I'm constantly tweaking it, constantly looking at people who I think have similar styles and similar layouts and amenities to me. And I say, what are they, what are they at right now? Did they bump theirs down? Maybe I should bump my down a little bit too. And just keep an eye on the market because, you know, pricing software is amazing. It definitely catches those demand days that you didn't really realize were demand days. You know, I, you know, most people know about the holidays or sometimes you forget to bump your price up for a holiday if you're doing manual pricing, but it has been really cool to play around with that pricing software, but you still have to be on top of it and manage ahead of the curve because they're pulling past data and they're pulling live data. But if you're starting to see a dip or, you know, people are complaining that they're not getting booked, it is your responsibility to be in there and knowing where your market's at, you know, and knowing what your customer really is looking for. So a little bit of both (laughs) of automatic pricing and just like obsessing over everyone else's (laughs) listings. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good though. Like a like a good strategy. Sometimes people can rely too much on like any of those and mm-hmm. not be a good balancing. Maybe they're pricing the wrong way. That's what bringing their their listing down. So what you're doing is actually really great. Both of them are great resources you have to use, and you're really mm-hmm. seizing them. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. It's been good so far. Well, I'm I'm curious to see how the next year goes, but. Uh-huh. So far, so good in Florida, I should say. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all right. That's great to hear. And two last things that I would like you to tell me is what challenges have you had so far as an Airbnb host and what tips would you leave for other Airbnb hosts? Oh, for sure. The the one that pops into my mind, and I this is such a rookie mistake that I made. I'm still kicking myself. <laughs> is not getting the, is not putting in the darn Nest thermostat or the programmable thermostat. I totally underestimated guests visiting Florida. You would think that they would know how hot it is. I didn't realize what they were up to, but we've gone into a couple of times to people have set the the thermostat to like 58 degrees or 62 degrees and it's a hundred degrees outside, which, you know, a causes issues with the actual unit itself and can cause damage Mm -hmm. because it just never stops running. Like it doesn't blow colder air because you set it is super low like that's not how air conditionings work but your ac bills get just crazy just your energy bills get crazy so that was my mistake should have done it from the get-go but yeah that would be my number one tip is put all of the devices in your airbnb you know people will get crazy with your thermostat they will leave the windows open and try to crank the ac up probably converse same same thing for people in winter you know in winter locations they'll set the heat super high and then leave the window open to go out to your hot tub or something you know people are on vacation they turn their brains off and they want to enjoy themselves and that's just kind of how it goes so get all the monitoring devices and just cover your butt a little bit that'd be my that'd be my number one tip and then i guess lastly though keeping it in that with that theme people are on vacation at your home 
we as hosts need to remember that we are in hospitality business. We do need to remember that these people paid a, a really decent price to come and visit and stay at your place. So try to come from a place of empathy when you're when you're frustrated with someone, you know, expecting every amenity on the planet and maybe something goes wrong. These people waited all year to come visit you and they spent their harder money and brought their kids and they wanted something perfect. So try to deliver them as much as you can uh, the experience they hoped for. Yeah, yeah, those are really great tips and really up to like what every Airbnb host needs to know. So yeah, that would be it for today. Thank you a lot for your time. It has been really, really fun to talk to you and get to hear about your experiences. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Have a, have a great time. Thanks for listening to Into the Airbnb. We're looking for hosts and other people in the short-term rental industry to interview. If you had what we need and would like to share your experience in this podcast, please send us an email. All the info is at the end of the description.